Amen. All right. Well, we're there in First uh, Samuel chapter number two, and like I said to this morning, we are continuing our series on the subject of the family, a faithful family. And this morning, I'm preaching on the subject of how to raise children who know and love the Lord. How to raise children who know and love the Lord. And if you're a parent here tonight, I want you to listen up. And I'd, I'd love for you to take notes and write down a few statements as we go along. And you've got in your bulletin, you've got a place to write sermon notes on the back of the course of the week. And uh, if you're here and you're not a parent, I don't want you to tune out, all right? Because maybe you don't have children yet, but Lord willing, one day you may have children. You might want to learn these things and be ready for that day. Or maybe your children are already grown, and maybe you have grandchildren, or you may have grandchildren in the future. Well, these things apply uh, to grandchildren as well, and we're going to see how it can apply to anybody, even someone who doesn't have children or ever will have children, how these thoughts uh, that we're going to learn today can help our church and the future generation. And I want to just give you a very practical sermon on the subject of how to raise children who know and love the Lord. Now, in, in, in 1 Samuel chapter 2, we're learning uh, here about the story. I'm sorry, 1 Samuel chapter 3, we're learning about the story of Eli. But before we get into chapter 3, we're going to go through the chapter. I want you to look at chapter 2 and, and uh, look down at verse number 12. I want you to notice what the Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter number 2 and verse 12. 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 12. The Bible says, Now the sons of Eli, because Eli was not the father of Samuel, Eli was the caregiver, the guardian of Samuel. If you remember the story, God gave Hannah. Uh, Hannah was barren and not able to have children. And, and the, she prayed to God that if she, she could have a child, that she would return him back to the Lord. And the Lord gave her Samuel. And she did return him. And she gave him basically to uh, the temple and to Eli, the, ta- the work of the tabernacle. And Eli was the one who raised Samuel. But Eli had his own children. And to be honest with you, Eli did a terrible job at raising his own children. Notice verse 12. Now the sons of Eli were the sons of Belial. Belial is the devil. It's uh, Baal. It's literally an idol that represents Satan. And his children were the sons of Belial. I mean, they had, they had gone totally not by the way of the Lord. Notice the last part of the verse. It says, they knew not the Lord. These, these people, and I don't have time to develop this, but in the Bible, a son of Belial is actually a reprobate. So these people were not only not saved, they had crossed the line where they could not be saved. They were, not, they were rejected by God. And the Bible says, and that's, that's Eli. Eli was a high priest. Imagine being the high priest, the spiritual leader of the nation, and you raise children that are the sons of Belial, and the Bible says they knew not the Lord. Notice, look, look down at verse number uh, 15. Notice what it says about these children, Hophni and Phinehas. It says also, before they burnt the fat, the priest servants came and said to the man that sacrificed, Give flesh to roast for the priest, for he will not have sodden flesh of thee, but raw. So they were serving in the capacity of the priesthood. They were supposed to take the flesh that was sodden flesh. If you remember, as we've been studying the book of Leviticus, we spent the first few chapters of Leviticus talking about how the priest would eat the, the flesh. It was supposed to be sodden, boiled, cooked. But they said, no, we don't want it that way. We want it raw. Notice verse 16. But if any man said unto him, let them not fail to burn the fat presently, and then take as much as thy soul desireth, then he would answer him, nay, but thou shalt give it me now. Notice what they said. And if not, 
I will take it by force. These were supposed to be the priests, and they were threatening the people and saying, no, we're not going to do it the way God says. We're going to do it the way we want to, and if you don't agree to it, we'll just take it by force. Notice verse 17. Wherefore, the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord, for men abhorred the offering of the Lord. People did not even want to go down to the house of God. They did not want to make sacrifices to God because they had to deal with these sons of Belial, the sons of Eli, who knew not the Lord. Notice verse number 22, same chapter. Notice what the Bible says. 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 22. Now Eli was very old and heard all that his sons did unto all Israel and how they lay with the woman that assembled at the door. These young men were not only uh, in the sin of gluttony where they were just taking whatever they wanted by force, but they were also in the sin of adultery and fornication where they were lying with the women that assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. Notice verse 23. And he said unto them, Why do ye such things? For I hear of your evil dealings by all this people. Nay, my sons, for it is no good report that I hear ye make the Lord's people to transgress. He's saying, you're causing people to sin. Verse 25, if one man sin against another, the judge shall judge him. But if a man sin against the Lord, who shall entreat for him? Notice the response from his sons. Notwithstanding, they hearken not unto the voice of their father, because the Lord would slay them. Go down to verse number 29, same chapter. Notice what he says. 1 Samuel 2, 29. Wherefore, this is Eli now being rebuked by a prophet of the Lord. He says, Wherefore kick ye at my sacrifice and at mine offering, which I have commanded in my habitation. This is the prophet speaking on behalf of the Lord to Eli. Notice what he says. And honorest thy sons, talking about Hophni and Phinehas, honorest thy sons above me. God said, You honor your sons above me to make yourselves fat with the chiefest of all the offerings of Israel, my people. And I want you to notice that Eli... Basically, unfortunately, failed as a parent. I mean, failed as a spiritual leader to his boys. It actually had the worst outcome that you could have had because it's one thing to have a child who is saved and not living for God. That's bad. It's, it's worse to have a child that's not even saved. But it's even worse to have a child that's a reprobate. That's a son of, of Belial. And I mean, this is the type of parent that Eli was. But I want you to understand something about Eli. Although Eli failed at raising his own children, Eli succeeded in the raising of someone else's child. Because Eli actually did a good job with raising Samuel. Go, go to 1 Samuel chapter 3, look at verse 19. Notice what the Bible says about Samuel in 1 Samuel 3, 19. And this should be, this should be the goal verse. This should be the life verse of every parent. This should be your goal in life. For your children, 1 Samuel 3.19. And Samuel, just insert in that word of Samuel, insert the name of your child. Whatever your child's name is. And Joshua, and Joel, and Elizabeth, and Lydia, and Ruth, and whatever your children's name. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him. And did let none of his words fall to the ground. Your goal and my goal as parents ought to be that our children would grow and that the Lord would be with them. Our goal should be that our children should know the Lord and should walk with the Lord. Notice verse 20. And all Israel from Dan even to Beersheba knew that Samuel was established to be a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. And here's what I want you to understand. Children who grow up to know and love the Lord, that is not done accidentally. 
That is done on purpose. They have to be raised. Because look, you need to understand this. We're not born Christians. We're not born believers. When you have a child, that child does not know the Lord. Notice what the Bible says about Samuel. 1 Samuel 3 and verse 7. Notice in this chapter, as the chapter begins, 1 Samuel 3, 7, it says this about Samuel. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Samuel was not saved at the beginning of this chapter. Samuel was not only saved, we're not just talking about salvation, although salvation is the number one, the first thing we want in our children's life, but we want them to not just know the Lord, but to walk with the Lord. It says, Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. Now, you don't have to turn there, but let me just read this, these uh, verses for you out of Matthew chapter 7. You know them, but I just want you to understand, what are we talking about when we're talking about knowing the Lord? We're talking about them being saved. Matthew 7.21 says this, Not everyone that saith unto me, this is Jesus talking about the great uh, white throne judgment. He says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name have done many wonderful works. Notice what he says in verse 23, or I'll just read it for you, and have you turn there. And then will I profess unto them, here's what he says, I never knew you you. I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. See, you can do works for God, like Hophni and Phinehas. You can stand before God and say, well, did we not prophesy in thy name? Did we not cast out devils? And in thy name have done many wonderful works, and have God say, I never knew you. You were never known of me. You were never saved. See, our goal is to raise children. And this morning, I want to just give you some steps in regards to how to raise children that know and love the Lord. And we're talking about them being saved and them walking with God, having a relationship with God, having a real, genuine walk with the Lord. Now, here's a question we've got to answer. Why did Eli do such a good job with Samuel and such a terrible job with his own children? I mean, why, why was he successful with someone else's child and yet such a failure with his own child. I'm going to give you the answer to that question at the end of the sermon this morning. But before we get into that, I want to answer. I want to just show you what it is that Eli did right. What was it that he did right with Samuel before and that he did not do right with his sons? And at the conclusion of the sermon, we'll talk about why. Why was that? Why was he successful with someone else's child and such a failure with his own? You're there in 1 Samuel chapter 3. Look down in verse number 1. Notice what the Bible says. 1 Samuel chapter 3 and verse 1. And the child, once you notice the word child, Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. And the child, Samuel, ministered unto the Lord before Eli. Now, if you remember in verse 7, we're told that Samuel did not yet know the Lord. In verse 1, Samuel's not saved. He's just a child. He's not even saved. By the end of the chapter, uh, we get down to verse 19. The Bible says, and Samuel grew and the Lord was with him. At the end of the chapter, Samuel was, was saved and walking with God. At the beginning of the chapter, Samuel was not saved. In chapter, in verse 7, we're told that he did not yet know the Lord. Neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. He did not have a relationship with God. But I want you to notice in verse 1, the Bible says, the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. Go to 2 Samuel chapter 2. Look at verse number 18, 2 Samuel chapter number 2 and verse 18. Notice what the Bible says in 2 Samuel, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, not 2 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 18. Just one, one uh, chapter uh, before. 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 18. 1 Samuel 2, 18, notice what the Bible says. But Samuel ministered. You see that word minister? Word minister means to serve. 
to work. But Samuel ministered before the Lord, being a child girded with a linen ephod. The Bible says Samuel ministered before the Lord, being a child girded with a linen ephod. First Samuel 3, 1 says, and the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. Here's point number one. I'd like you to write this statement, number one. Why was Eli successful with Samuel? Number one, he involved him in the work of God. He involved him in the work of God. But I want you to notice that he involved him in the work of God before Samuel was ever saved. Samuel was just a child. The Bible says that Samuel, the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. The Bible says that Samuel ministered before the Lord being a child. He was just a child. And here's what you need to understand. Parents, when we're talking about having children that know the Lord, that love the Lord, we're not talking about their education at this point. We're not talking about discipline. Next week, we're going to talk about how to raise children that are well-behaved and how to discipline them properly and what the Bible teaches about those things. But when we're just talking about raising a child that actually loves the Lord and has a walk and a desire to serve God, you must involve them in the work of the Lord. You must involve them in spiritual things when they are children. The Bible says the child Samuel. And by the way, this is one reason that at Verity Baptist Church, we practice a family integrated church. See, most churches today, they will say, oh, the child, you know, the things of God are not for children. You know, go put those kids in a nursery somewhere. Go put them in a Sunday school class where they can color pages and they can play games. Let's not talk to them about spiritual things. Let's not involve them in the thing. Hey, you know what? The children need to be involved in the work and in the ministry of God. And it's good for them to be sitting in church and hearing the things of God and hearing the Bible preach. It's good for them to be involved and be listening to the things that God has for their lives. Oftentimes, you'll, uh, I'll, I'll have people attack you know, uh, our, our family integrated model. And they'll say, well, they don't understand everything. And I always respond the same way. The adults don't understand everything. Right. Hey, well, well it's, a lot of it goes over their head. You know what? A lot of it goes over the adult's head too. You know, how's it possible that I stand, you know, every week of my life, it seems like I stand up and preach something. And then either at the end of that service or the following service, someone will ask me a question. I'm like, I just, I just talked about that. I just answered that question. You know, we just get, you know, or people make decisions. And I'm like, man, just two weeks ago, I preached a whole sermon on that subject. The one thing you're making the wrong decision on right now. You say, why is that? Because we don't all grasp everything. Even as adults, we're at different spiritual levels and we understand different things. But you know what? They grasp a lot. Children are smarter than we give them credit for. And we must involve them. In the work of God, we must involve them in the ministry. Notice, the Bible says the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord. You know what I believe? I believe you ought to take your children out soul winning with you. I believe you ought to bring your children, you uh, come out here and, and, and help them pick up around the church building and, and get them involved in the cleaning and get them involved in the ministry and whatever it is you do as an adult to minister around here. Hey, involve your children in that. You say, well, my kids aren't even saved. But you know what? If you want to raise children that know and love the Lord, Eli was successful with Samuel. Eli literally raised one of the greatest prophets that the Bible has ever known. While he failed with his own children, he succeeded with another person's child. Why? Because he involved them in the work of the ministry. See, children, the Bible says there, he didn't send them off either. He, said, he didn't send them off on a bus to church and say, well, you go off to Sunday school while dad says, stays home and watches the game. No, the Bible says the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord. Notice the words, before Eli. Let me explain something to your parents. One of the keys to parenting is this word, time. 
Someone said this, love is pell, T-I-M-E. You must be involved in the lives of your children. You must take time and spend time with your family and with your children. Go to the book of Proverbs with me. Keep your place there in 1 Samuel chapter 3. That's our text for this morning. But go, go to Proverbs. If you go from the center of the Bible, you'll find the book of Samuel. If you open up your Bible just right in the middle, you'll more than likely find the book of, uh, the book of Psalms. Excuse me. Right after the book of Psalms, you got the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter number 29. Proverbs chapter number 29. You must find, look, we are conditioned to think that children are a big headache. They're a big problem. Let's just sit them down in front of a TV. Let's just sit them down in front of a video game. Let's just sit them in front of the internet. Let somebody else watch them and babysit them so we can have our own time and our free time. But look, mom and dad, you have to find ways to spend time with your children. You have to dedicate time to your children. You have, Eli spent time with this child. They ministered together. They worked together. They had time together. And if you're going to raise children that love the Lord, you're going to have to learn to spend time with your kids. Proverbs 29 and verse 15 says this. Proverbs 29, verse 15. Do me a favor. When you get to Proverbs, put a ribbon or a bookmark or a bulletin there because we're going to leave Proverbs. We're going to come back to it. Proverbs 29 and verse 15. The Bible says this. The rod and reproof give wisdom. We'll talk about that next week. Notice what it says though. But a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. And you know what? When you're at the grocery store and you see a little brat throwing himself on the floor and bringing his mother to shame... When you're, when you're at church and you see some child just acting up, you know, when you see a child slap their parent in the face, I've literally seen that more times than I care to mention. Watching a child just slap their mom in the face, you know, or, or, or kick their parent or throw, you know, oftentimes when you see a mother or a father that's being brought to shame by their children, you know what that tells you? That parent doesn't spend a lot of time with that child. The Bible says, a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. And we're talking both about the good time of spending, where you're helping them and being with them and loving on them. And also, you know what? You need to spend some time disciplining your children. And we'll talk about that next week. I'm not going to get off on that. But I want you to notice, Eli was a successful parent to Samuel because he involved him. He was with him. He spent time with him. And look, especially you dads, I, I get it. You work all day and you come home and you're tired. But you've got to make the effort. You've got to make it a priority that you're going to spend time with your children. That you're going to uh, uh, play with them and talk with them and, and conversate with them. And I know sometimes kids can be irritated. And I get that. Look, I've got five children and sometimes they drive us up the wall. But you, you need to make a priority to actually spend time. And my wife and I try to actually spend time in conversation with our children. It's an amazing thing when you first start having children. When they're little, they're just kind of there, you know. They need you to do everything for them, and there's no... But as they grow older, you can actually start having conversations with your children. It's amazing. You start talking to your kids. You start realizing this is a person. I mean, they they have their own thoughts and their own ideas. Sometimes my, my kids say stuff to me, and I'm like, that's a good idea. We ought to do that. We ought to implement that. We, that's, that's good, and that's great. And look, you need to learn to spend time with your kids. A child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. So why was Eli so successful? Well, he involved him in the work of God. He involved him. He involved him. He spent time with him. He was before him. They were together. But I'd like you to notice, secondly, this morning, keep your place there in Proverbs. Go, to, go back to 1 Samuel chapter 3. Not only did Eli involve him in the work of God, but I'd like you to notice, secondly, 
that Eli instructed him in the things of God. Notice verse 2. I don't know why, but I've always loved this story of when Samuel is called by God. I, 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 don't know, I, I don't know why, it just seems like such a tender story to me. But in 1 Samuel chapter 3 and verse 2, the Bible says this, And it came to pass at that time, when Eli was laid down in his place, and his eyes began to wax dim, that he could not see, and ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord. And by the way, that lamp was never supposed to go out. And that illustrates a picture that God was no longer working in the lives of these men where the ark of God was, and Samuel was laid down to sleep, that the Lord called Samuel, and he answered, Here am I. Notice verse 5. Think of a, a child. And he, talking about Samuel, ran unto Eli and said, think, think about this, it's the middle of the night. They're, they're lying asleep. And the Lord says, Samuel. And Samuel gets up and he runs to Eli and he said, Here am I, for thou callest me. And he said, I called not. Lie down again. And he went and lay down. And the Lord called yet again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And he answered, I called not, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. Notice verse 8. And the Lord called Samuel again, the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. I want you to notice, as a testament to the parenthood of Eli, how obedient Samuel was. I mean, in the middle of the night, he's, aw- he's, he's woken up by his name Samuel, and he immediately gets up and runs to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. Listen to me, parents, and we're going to talk more about this next week, but your children should never be allowed to disrespect or disobey or argue with you because how they respond to you is how they will respond to God. See, Samuel was set up for success because Samuel had already been trained. When the spiritual authority in your life calls for you, you don't argue, you don't complain, you don't say, well, what does Eli want? It's the middle of the night, I've been working all... No, he he just stood up and said, here am I, for thou didst call me. It's surprising. I should say it's not surprising. Seeing the way that Samuel responded to Eli and then seeing how Samuel would respond to God for the rest of his life. Because parents, you must understand this. We are not training our children and we are not disciplining them and we are not making them obey so that they can make our lives easier, so that we can have a better, you know, uh, 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 an easier life without these bratty children. No, we are teaching them to obey. Why? Because one day the authority will be transferred from mom and dad and be given to not dad, but God the Father. See, my goal in life, and and you need to understand this, in the life of your children, you are the representation of God in their lives. Say, what? In the lives of your children. Please don't miss this. In the lives of your children, mom. In the lives of your children, dad. You represent God. And your job is to one day take that child and not say, well, now you're an adult. Now you're not under anyone's authority. No, your job is to say, when you were under my authority, now you are under the authority of God, son. Now you are under the authority of God, daughter. And the way they respond to you is more than likely how they will respond to God. So when you allow your children to just argue with you, 
what you're allowing, when you allow that two-year-old or that three-year-old or that five-year-old or that six-year-old or that seven-year-old to argue with you, what you are raising is a future 17-year-old or 18-year-old or 19-year-old that will argue with God. When you allow them to disrespect you, you are raising a future adult that will one day disrespect God. When you allow them to disobey you, what you are doing is you are raising a future adult that will one day uh, disrespect and disobey and disagree with God. And listen, you must train them to always obey. We try to tell our children, you obey quickly and with a smile. You obey quickly and with a smile. Our hardest little child is our daughter Lydia. I've told you about Lydia before. We love Lydia, but she's tough. And oftentimes, my wife will tell her, you know, Lydia, you got to do this. And, and she'll make her do it. And she'll say, with a smile, Lydia. And it's this kind of scary smile, you know. It's kind of like, what is going on there? You say, well, why do you do that? Because you know what? One day I want them to obey God with a smile. Because one day we want them when God says, thus saith the Lord God, they just know we obey God and with a smile. We don't complain. We do it quickly. We obey immediately. We have a good attitude. Eli had set up Samuel for success because Eli had obviously raised Samuel to respond this way. Here am I without this call. Wouldn't it be wonderful if you called your child and they walked up to you and said, here am I without this call me. Here am I. We try to tell our children. You know, you respond, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. I tell my kids to do something. Okay, no, how do you respond, son? Yes, sir. We tell our daughter, our Lydia. I'll tell Lydia to do something. How do you respond? Yes, ma'am. Oh, no, that's mom. I'm dad. You know, but she spends most of her time with mom. Yes, ma'am. She says yes, ma'am to me. You know, I'd rather she say yes, ma'am than nothing. He instructed him. He taught him how to act. Notice, notice verse number 8. 1 Samuel 3 and verse 8. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli. And said, here am I, for thou didst call me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. Therefore Eli said unto Samuel, go, lie down, and it shall be. Notice the instruction he gives him. If he call thee, that thou shalt say, speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood and called, as at other times, Samuel. Samuel. Then Samuel answers, speak, for thy servant heareth. See, I want you to understand, parents, that the key to parenting is not only giving your children time and involving them, but it is training them and instructing them. It is teaching them. Eli did a wonderful job at this junction in his life, realizing that, Eli, that, that Samuel was now transitioning from simply obeying because he was a child, but actually beginning to walk with God and know God. And he helped him and he transitioned and he instructed him. And he said, next time you hear God call. You know, my goal in life as a parent, your goal ought to be that when our children begin to hear the prompting of the Holy Spirit, and we know we don't hear the audible words of God, but when they begin to be spoken to God through His Word or through the preaching of His Word, when the Holy Spirit begins to prod them and to prompt them and to, and, and to convict them, that they would respond, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. That they would be instructed to respond properly. A key for parenting is training. If you kept your place there in Proverbs, go to Proverbs chapter number 22. Proverbs chapter number 22. Proverbs 22, look down at verse number 6. 
Proverbs chapter number 22 and verse 6. Proverbs 22 and verse 6. Proverbs 22 and verse 6, the Bible says this, train. You see that word train? Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Train up a child. Train up a child. And I want you to understand what this verse is saying. Train up a child in the way he should go. Please understand this about training your children, parents. We are not raising our children... We are not training our children. We are not teaching our children because we want them to be good children. We are training our children because we want them to be good adults. Do you understand what I just said? We are not training our children because we want to train good children. We are training our children because we want them to be a good adult. See, the Bible says train up a child. You say, how do I train him, God? In the way he should go. In, in the way his life should go. And notice, when he is old, he will not depart from it. See, in your life, and you say, well, you know, well what does it mean to train? And, and what's interesting about this passage, and we're not going to take the time to develop this, but the only other time you find that word train in Scripture, you find it about Abraham training the servants in his house in a military capacity. The idea there is that we ought to be training our children in the same way that the military trains their soldiers. I'm not talking about putting on a hat and yelling at your children and making them do push-ups. Although doing push-ups might not hurt them. You know, I'm, I'm talking about, you say, well, what, what does it mean to train your children? I spent time in the Air Force, and, you know, they would train us in boot camp. They would train us to do certain things. And you say, well, what, what does it mean to train? Let me give you the steps for training, your, uh, for training anybody, but for training your children. Step one, tell them what to do. You got to tell them what to do. That's where most parents stop. Because you have to tell them what to do. But you know what step two is? Show them how to do it. Tell them how to do it. Step two, show them how to do it. Here's step three, help them do it. Tell them how to do it. Show them how to do it. Help them do it. Here's step four, repeat over and over and over and over again until they can do it on their own. You know why we don't do that? Because it takes too much time. I remember being in boot camp. We were uh, trained on our rifles, and we had to take them apart and put them together and take them apart and put them together. You know what they did? First, they showed us how to do it, or they told us how to do it. They said, here's the first step one, here's step two. Then they showed us how to do it. Then they helped us do it. You know, they helped us while yelling at us, but they helped us do it. And then you know what we did? We just did it over and over and over and over again. You did it so many times, you, you could do it with your being blindfolded. In fact, that's what they wanted. They wanted you to be able to put that thing together uh, in the dark without being able to see. And that's how your life ought to be with your children. You ought to teach your children. You ought to show your children. You ought to help your children. And then you ought to repeat it over and over and over and over again until they do it right. You're teaching your children how to wash the dishes. You don't just get frustrated and yell, ah, well, you get out of here. Let me just finish. Is that how we mostly do it? Teach them how to make their bed. Ah, what's wrong with you? Let me just finish this. It's faster if I do it anyway. No, look, it requires time to train your kids. You say, but why? Why do you take the time to train them and repeat it and correct them and help them? Why? Not because I want good children, but because I want good adults. We get our children up in the morning and we make them get dressed and make their bed and get ready for the day. Why? Because I don't want to raise an 18 and a 19 and a 20 year old that can't get out of bed in the morning. We teach them to work hard. Why? Because I don't want a lazy adult child. We're not training them so they would be good children. We are training them so they would be good 
adults, train up a child in the way he should go. Train up a child in the way he should go. We need to instruct our children. Go to Deuteronomy chapter number 6. Deuteronomy chapter number 6. Deuteronomy chapter number 6. And let me just give you one thought here. But I want to encourage every family in our church to set up a family Bible time. Set up a time every day where you spend time in the Word with your family. I'm not trying to put a guilt trip on you. And I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and tell you that we're perfect at this because we're not. My wife has a time where she spends devotional time with the children every day before the school day. We homeschool the children, so it's, it's she, that's how she does it. Before the school day begins, she spends time with them in the Word of God and prayer. She's very consistent at it during the school time. In the evenings, I try to have a family devotional time with our uh, children. I, I'll tell you, I'm not as consistent at it, at it as I'd like to be, but we try. We try to spend the evenings with God. We try to spend the evenings in the Word uh, with our children. Why? Because we must instruct them. Deuteronomy chapter number 6. Look down at verse number uh, 5. Notice what the Bible says. Deuteronomy 6, 5 says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. That's what your job's to do as an adult. But notice verse 6. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. What words? The words that you ought to love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. Notice verse 7. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. And, and, and I want to encourage you to have a family Bible time, but realize family, you know, training your children is, is, is all day, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. Thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the, uh, the post of thy house and on thy gate. And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land, which he swear unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities, which thou buildest not in houses. And he goes on to talk about how they're going to remember the Lord. But I want you to understand that God expects you to talk with your children, to instruct your children, to teach your children when you're in the house, when you're on the way, when you're ri- going to bed, when you're rising up. You ought to spend time instructing your children. And, and parents, I just want to challenge you with this. How, how is your training time with your kids? Do you even train your kids? Do you instruct them in anything? Or is it just kind of this thing where you get up and you just kind of go through the day? And they're out playing video games and they're doing this and they're doing that. Is there ever a time, Eli here, in the middle of the night, in the middle of the night, perceived that God was doing a work in the life of Samuel and took the time to instruct him and to tell him, Samuel, I think God's dealing with you. Let me teach you how to respond to God. And he instructed him. My life and in your life as parents, we must learn to instruct our children in the things of God. We must take time. To train them and to teach them and to, to help them in the Word. And look, I'm not, I'm not saying for you to take a long time with this, especially the family, but I want to encourage you dads, spend time, spend time with your children in the Word. And you mom, spend time with your children. I'm thinking just last night we were having family Bible time. And listen to me, I'm not, we don't sit there and have a whole full-blown church service. Let me, let me tell you a couple things about our family Bible time. We, we have family Bible time on non-church nights. 
We don't have family Bible time on Wednesday nights after Wednesday night Bible study. And we don't have family Bible time on Sunday nights. You say, why is that? Because my children sat through two sermons from dad on Sunday. I'm not trying to beat them over the head with the Bible and make them hate God's word. But you know, on Monday nights and on Tuesday nights and on Thursday nights and on Friday nights and on Saturday nights, to the best of our ability, and we're not always consistent with it, to the best of our ability, we try to spend a few, just a few, we read a chapter and, and, and we just talk about it a little bit. And I was just thinking last night, we were in Ecclesiastes chapter number two, and I, I, I read the chapter to, to the kids, and, and after we got done reading, I, I asked the kids, what, what was this about? They responded, Solomon. And I said, well, okay, well, the whole book's about Solomon, so good. What's, what's the chapter about? And, and they, they, they said a few things. And I read to them this verse in Ecclesiastes 2.15. I said, I said well, Ecclesiastes 2.14 says this, The wise man's eyes are in his head, but the fool walketh in darkness. And I myself perceived also that one event happeneth to them all. And I asked my kids, what event happens to everybody? They kind of thought, thought about it. I read verse 15. Then said I in my heart, as it happened to the fool, so it happened even to me. And why was I then more wise? Then I said in my heart that this is also vanity. And I said to the kids, I said, hey, what, what is the event that happens to everybody, no matter how smart you are, how foolish you are, how successful you are, how much of a failure? What event happens to everybody? What, what is everybody going to experience? They said, death. I said, yes, what's that? that's what Solomon's talking about. That's why he says in verse 16, for there is no remembrance of the wise more than of the fool. Forever, seeing that which now is in the days to come shall also be forgotten. And how dieth the wise man as the fool? Therefore I hated life, because the work that was wrought under the sun is grievous unto me, for all is vanity and vexation of spirit. I just took a few moments to explain to the kids what Solomon is teaching us here in this passage is that we are not to live for this life because we're all going to die. And in verse 18, he says, Yea, I hated all my labor, which I had taken under the sun, because I should leave it unto the man that shall be after me, and who knoweth whether he shall be a wise man or a fool. And I told the kids, if you live your life for possessions, for houses and vehicles and riches and for things and for toys, when you die, can you take that with you? No. Who's going to take that? Somebody else. I said, this is why Solomon is telling us we ought not live our lives for this world. We ought to live our lives for God. We ought to live our lives for eternal things. We just took a few minutes and talked about that. And you say, well, that's not very deep. But you know what? As a pastor, I've seen many grown men get backslidden because they became covetous. Because they decided to make their lives all about money and possessions and things. And it might have done them good to have a mom and to have a dad to take five minutes when they were 10-year-olds and 8-year-olds and 5-year-olds and 3-year-olds and say, hey, listen, son. Hey, listen, daughter. We don't need to live our lives for things because one day we're all going to die. And someone else is going to take it. And it will all be vexation of spirit. It will all be vanity. That's, that's all we're talking about. I'm not talking about you having an alliterated sermon with your children every day. I'm talking about read the Bible and find something that speaks to you and say, hey, kids, let me tell you what this verse is teaching. It would do good for you dads. It'd be good for you moms. Might actually got, uh, get you in the Word a little bit. Get you to learn the Bible a little bit. But if we're going to raise children, if we're going to raise children, that love and know the Lord, we're going to have to involve them in the things of God. We're going to have to spend time with them. But we're going to have to instruct them in the things of God and teach them and help them and take every opportunity, take every opportunity to teach them what God says and that God loves them and that God has a plan and a purpose for their lives. Go back to 1 Samuel chapter 3. 
Why was Eli so successful as a parent with Samuel? Well, he involved him in the work of God. He instructed him in the things of God. And I can notice the third thing. Look, look down at 1 Samuel 3, look at verse 11. And the Lord said to Samuel, Samuel said, Speak, for thy servant heareth. And now God is going to begin to speak to Samuel. In verse 11, the Bible says, And the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do a thing in Israel, at which both the ears of every one that heareth it shall tingle. And that day I will perform against Eli all things which I have spoken concerning his house. When I begin, I will also make an end. God begins to tell Samuel how God is going to judge Eli, his guardian, his, uh, you know, the man that's acting as his parent because of the fact that Eli would not restrain his own children and the sin of the sons of Belial in the house of God. Notice verse 13. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth because his sons made them Themselves vile, and he restrained them not. See, he, he failed to discipline his children. Verse 14. And therefore I have sworn unto the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be purged with sacrifice nor offerings forever. And Samuel, notice verse 15, and Samuel lay until the morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel, put yourself in Samuel's shoes. You are a child. You are being taken care of by a man named Eli. You realize that Eli's not perfect, but he's, Eli's been good to you. He's involved you, and he's instructed you, and he's loved you, and now God has told you of the judgment to come upon Eli's house. Look at the last part of verse 15. And Samuel feared to show Eli the vision. Wouldn't you as a kid be afraid to say, I don't want to tell Eli that? God just told me that God, God's going to destroy the house of Eli. I, I don't want to tell him that. I love Eli. Notice verse 16. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he answered, here am I. Always answering right. And he said, what is the thing that the Lord has said unto thee? I pray thee, hide it not from me. God do so to thee, and more also, if thou hide anything from me of all things that he said unto thee. Notice verse 18. And Samuel told him every wit and hid nothing from him. And he, Eli, said. Now listen to me very carefully. The next statement that comes out of Eli's mouth will either make or break Samuel. Because Samuel has been ordained to be a prophet of God. Samuel is going to be used for the rest of his life to tell people things they don't want to hear. And here the first time that Samuel has a message from God to tell a man, and he's afraid at the response. Eli, if he would have got mad and angry and said, well, who are you? And what do you, you know, where do you get off telling me these things? Could have broken Samuel. Could have ruined Samuel. Could have caused Samuel to walk away and grow bitter and say, well, this prophet thing's not for me and this preaching thing's not for me and I'm not going to preach so people can get mad at me. But I want you to notice Eli's response. Verse 18. And Samuel told him every wit and hid nothing from him. And he, Eli, said, notice what Eli says. I believe one of the greatest responses to the judgment of God that we see in Scripture. Eli said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seemeth him good. 
You say, what, what, what was it that Eli just taught Samuel? I want you to notice, not only did Eli involve him, and not only did Eli instruct him, but Eli instilled in Samuel a proper attitude towards God. When the judgment of God came upon the life of Eli, he did not get mad, he did not rebel, he did not take it out on Samuel, he did not yell. His response was, it is the Lord. It is the Lord. Let him do what seemeth him good. I want you to understand something. You and I must learn to instill the fear and love of God in our children's life by example. You say, well, is it enough to just involve them? You must involve them. Is it enough to just instruct them? You must instruct them. But you must also instill in them a love for God, a fear of God, a respect for God. And you must do it. You must do it by your example. I love the quote in the bulletin. It says, children have never been very good at listening to their elders but they have never failed to imitate them. You must always remember this, that they will remember what you showed them more than what you told them. And you can tell your kids, don't smoke, don't smoke, don't smoke. Smoking's bad, smoking's not good. But if they see you doing this, guess what they're going to do? It's how it goes, friend. They will pay more attention to what you do than what you say. They will remember what you showed them, not what you told them. And see, Samuel got a great example as to how we should respond to God when he's watching his parent, his guardian, his leadership be uh, uh, punished and judged by God. And he responds, it is the Lord. Let him do what seemeth him good. And Samuel got a lesson that day. That you know what? We ought to love and respect and fear God. And when God judges us, we just respect that. And we love him. I wonder if that affected Samuel, why Samuel didn't go off and become a rebellious teenager. wonder if that, if that helped Samuel live the rest of his life and walk with God, realizing that when God says something, we just do it. See, Samuel was taught his whole life, you respond to Eli. You respond to Eli. When Eli calls your name, you respond properly. Here am I, for thou didst call me. But now Samuel had the opportunity to see God speak to Eli. And you know what Eli said? Here am I, for thou didst call me. And I'm just here to tell you, mom and dad, when the word of God is preached and your parents and your children see you as a parent, be a hypocrite. You listen to me, but when God tells you to do something, I'm not going to do that. You are ruining your children. And you will not raise children that know and love the Lord. So why was Eli so good at this thing? Because he involved him. Because he instructed him. Because he instilled in him the proper attitude, fear, and love for God. Go back to 1 Samuel chapter 1. Let me end with this idea. The keys to parenting are this. You must spend time with your children. You must train your children. And you must model. You must model Christianity for your children. You must model spirituality for your children. So here's the big question. Why did Eli do such a great job? Why did Eli do such a great job with Samuel, who was not his son, and yet failed so miserably with Hophni and Phinehas, who were his children. Several years ago, our family, 
on my wife's side was going up to Washington to visit her grandparents. And my wife's brother and his family was visiting from the Bahamas. They worked, he works in the Bahamas and on the Navy base there, and they were with us. And they were going to go up to, to, to Washington with us, and uh, my wife's mother, my mother-in-law, had asked if we could switch vehicles because uh, they, they had a very nice Lincoln, uh, I don't know, MX something or whatever, a very nice vehicle, nicest vehicle I've ever driven. And um, they didn't have enough room for everybody, so they asked, hey, could we switch vehicles? We'll drive up your van so we could fit you know, my mother-in-law, uh, my, my wife's younger brother, and her older brother and family, and then we would drive up in, in their Lincoln because at that time we just had one or two kids or whatever. And the whole drive up to uh, Washington, I was nervous because I am not a good driver, and this car was very expensive, and I was just thinking, good night, I don't want to get in an accident in this thing, I don't want to, and I'll tell you, you know, just a self-fulfilling prophecy. As we were going through a drive through on the way up there, I, I scratched the, the, the rim of one of the tires. And I remember just getting out, and I just felt so bad. The whole drive, I mean, we had hours left, and I was just so, just felt bad. You know, they just bought this car. I'm going to have to tell them I scratched it. And they were graceful, and I showed them, and they said, ah, don't worry about it. That's what, it's, it's made to be driven, you know, and blah, blah. And they were very nice about it. But, you know, the whole time, I just felt, my, I just, my, my, my stomach sunk. Why? Because it wasn't my vehicle. You know, I scratch up my car all the time, and it's kind of like, oh, well. You know, well, there you go. But, you know, when it's somebody else's car, it's like, man, I don't want to return this damaged. I don't, I don't, I don't want to return this with a problem. So you know why I believe that Eli did such a great job with Samuel? It's because it wasn't his. See, there's a theme in the life of Samuel, and the theme is this, 1 Samuel 1, look at verse 27. Remember when Hannah received Samuel. She prayed that the Lord would give her Samuel. And when she had Samuel, in 1 Samuel 127, she said this. She said, For this child I prayed, and the Lord had given me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. And he worshipped the Lord. There. See, Hannah returned Samuel back to the Lord. And in that case, she returned him to the tabernacle and to Eli. And Eli took possession of Samuel. But Eli lived his life realizing, this is not my child. This is Hannah's child. Someone, I, I'm going to be held accountable for what I do with this kid. And here's what I believe happened in the life of Eli. Go to, first, uh, go, go to Psalm 127. If you kept your place in Proverbs, you're right before Proverbs, you got the book of Psalms, Psalm 127. Here's what I believe happened in the life of Eli. Though he was careless with his own children... Though he wasn't worried about the damage and the dents on his own vehicle, he was very concerned with a borrowed vehicle. Because Eli understood this. He understood, this is not my child. This child does not belong to me. I am a caretaker of this child. This child, I will be held accountable for how this child is raised. So I better do a good job with him. Though I failed with my own, I will succeed with the one that is borrowed. But here's what Eli didn't understand, and here's what Hannah didn't understand, and here's what you and I need to understand. Psalm 127, verse 1. A song of degrees for Solomon. Except the Lord build a house, they labor in vain that built it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. 
It is vain for you to rise up early and set up late to eat bread of sorrows, for, to, for, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Notice verse 3. Lo, children are in heritage of the Lord. See that word heritage there? The word heritage means an inheritance or possession. Dictionary.com defines the word heritage as property that is or may be inherited, an inheritance. The archaic definition from the same website is a special or individual possession and allotted portion. I want you to notice what the Bible says. Lo, children are in heritage. They are in inheritance or they are a possession, notice, of the Lord. See, the truth of the matter is this. My children are not mine. And your children are not yours. They do not belong to me. They are not my possession. They are borrowed for a time. They are a gift from God to return back to Him. And in the same way that I was nervously driving that vehicle, because I knew that I had to return it, and I wanted to return it with as least damage, scratches as possible, you and I must realize that those children do not belong to us. God has lent them to us for a while. And we must return them back to God. And I think when Eli understood, Samuel is not mine, he did a really good job with him. But when he thought, well, Hophni and Phineas are mine, they were dented and scratched and damaged. So please, Mom, please, Dad, when you start to get angry at that child, when you start to lose your temper, when you are tempted to ignore and just just go away, just go do something else. I just need my time. Please remember, that child is not yours. They are the heritage of the Lord. They They belong to God and you must return them back. And your goal should be to return them back with as least dents and accidents as possible. May we pray together? Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for these stories in Scripture. These examples you've given us, these examples you've given us to learn. And Lord, I think it's interesting how just a change in perspective can make such a difference. Eli was a failure as a parent. But when he thought that the child wasn't his, he actually did a pretty good job. And Lord, I pray that each and every one of us as parents today would look at our children and realize, these are not my kids. They are the heritage of the Lord. I have borrowed them. I am their caretaker. And I must return them to God. And Lord, help us to be careful with them. Help us to be gentle with them. Help us to involve them and instruct them and instill in them a love and fear for God. Father, I pray for my children. pray you'd help my wife and I to have wisdom and discernment to teach our children properly. I pray for every child in this room that they would all be saved when, when they have the ability to understand that they would be saved and that they would walk with you and love you. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen.